Good morning and welcome along to the Saturday Splash here on Riverside Radio. My name is Rosie and if it's your first time listening to this radio show, this is where we dive into the ponds, we dive into the rivers and the leaf piles here in southwest London and beyond, finding out all about nature. Now we've got a jam-packed show today and I've got a jam-packed studio, so I'd like to just crack straight on and introduce my guests. So I'm going to say hello to guest one first of all. Hello. Hi. Hi, what's your name? I'm Emily. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Emily, how are you? I'm good. Now, how old are you, Emily? I am 10 and 9 months, and I'm going to be 11 in October. Oh, okay, cool. Nice and precise. I like that. Thank you very much. And, Emily, do you live nearby? We're here in Battersea in southwest London. Are you relatively close by? Yes, we're just around the corner, actually, in Clapham. Awesome. And, Emily, I'm going to ask you, what is your favourite animals? I have a lot, actually. <laughs> um, uh, I really like turtles and tortoises, and others include ocelots, dormice, and deer. Amazing. Oh, I, you're the perfect kind of person to have on our radio show this morning. Someone who likes animals. Perfect. And we've got Mum here, haven't we? Hi, Mum. Hi. <laughs> you're you're going to be overseeing proceedings today. Now, Emily, you mentioned there that you kind of like ocelots, quite, quite an unusual one, um, dormice and deer... We're going to be talking about mammals a lot today. Does that sound okay? Yes, it does. Fantastic, because it is International Cat Day coming up, it's International Lion Day coming up, and it's International Elephant Day, so we thought we'd get mammaly today on the Saturday Splash. And we've got another guest joining us, so hello. Hi, Rosie, how's it going? Hi, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. And you've come on to help us learn a little bit about mammals today, so tell us a little bit about you. Uh, myself, uh, I'm Australian, as it might be able to uh, detect in my accent. Uh, I have a bit of a background in marine science, but also mammals as well. Uh, and I work at one of the museums here in London. And yeah, that's a bit about me. Okay, Emily, have we got any questions that we should, because uh, I think you can help me get to know Dave today. We can ask him some questions. Anything that we should find out? Yes. Can I ask you, Dave, what exactly does your job involve? Involve. Okay. So... Uh, within the museum, we're actually looking after the specimens and we have them there to help with research. Uh, but our primarily, primarily sort of uh, action for them is to care for them and curate them. So we're writing down all the information when it comes into the museum and then we're cataloguing it to make sure that we know where it is. So when someone comes to the museum and asks if they could use it, we can re use that for research. So when you say specimen, what kind of thing might that be? Uh, well, if we're talking about mammals today, it could be all the sorts of mammals that we have in the world that have been collected over the last three or hundred or so years. So it could be a skull, it could yeah, be... Yeah, it could be uh, skins or skulls. We have things that have been preserved in spirit, so they're whole intact specimens in alcohol. Uh, like but, in a jar, like yep, in a big jar. Onions. In a big jar. Uh, we also have taxidermy, so animals that have been stuffed. All sorts of weird and wonderful things. Definitely. Do you, do you find quite weird things when you're looking through the collections? Ooh. What are we going to define as weird today? Oh, I don't know, like um, things with horns, things with teeth, things with... Yeah, uh, so we do have a, a massive array of collection where we've got animals with just their heads preserved, and so we've got the, the antlers or their horns, uh, rows and rows of them. Uh, we've got some kind of smaller things, like we've got things down to rodent size, so the skulls are about the size of your fingernail, so a wow. lot smaller compared to, obviously, things that we see on our everyday. That's making me think of the dormice. 
Emily that you like. And I've got one final question for you, Dave, before we crack on with some music this morning and come back and play a bit of a game. What's your favourite animal? We know that Emily likes turtles, tortoises, dormice, deer, all sorts of wonderful things. What about you? Well, I do love turtles. That is one of my favourite things. But sharks are my number one thing. Sharks. Yep. Why? Uh, because they haven't evolved or changed over the last few hundred million years because they're so good at what they're doing at the moment. So they're the apex predator in the ocean and they're absolutely amazing animals. They have amazing sensors where they can sense electricity, so they have special cells um, around their, their nose and they pick up the electricity in the water so they can find out where, say, fish are, uh, where their hearts are beating, they can figure out where they are. And they can also feel vibrations in the water. Absolutely amazing. Amazing. What do you think of sharks, Emily? I like them. But they're a bit scary. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, well, we'll 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 say goodbye to the sharks for now because we are going to be getting um, up close and personal with all sorts of mammals on today's show. And Dave, you've got a bit of a quiz for us, am I right? Yes, I do have a few questions for yourself and Emily. Okay, well, we will get cracked with cracking with that after this. this is Welcome back to the Saturday Splash here on Riverside Radio. You're here with Rosie and my fantastic guest. We've got Emily. Hi, Emily. Hi, Rosie. And we got Dave. Lovely. Okay, so we're talking about mammals today. So, Emily, what question should we kick off with for Dave? What do we need to know about mammals? Okay, so mammals, we have around 5,400 species on Earth, but unfortunately only uh, around one-fifth of them are threatened or extinct. But... There's several, there's several different characteristics that what makes a mammal. So you and I are mammals. Uh, so they usually have hair. We've got them on our head, all over our body. But things like dolphins, they actually have a little moustache when they're born. No way. Yeah. So it's there to tickle the mother to say when they want milk. So that falls off after a Is little bit. Is it quite thick, wispy yeah, hair? Yeah, you can normally... It's very noticeable at the start thing, a couple on either side. I had no idea. <laughs> very cool. Dolphin, baby dolphins yep. only. Yeah. Not the adult ones. Uh, they are warm-blooded, uh, so they get their, they maintain their body temperature from within, uh, unlike our things like reptiles, which rely on the environment externally to be able to, to get warm. Uh, they suckle their young with milk. Uh, they give birth to live young, except for two groups, which I'll come back to in a second. Uh, they breathe air, just like us, and they all have a backbone, so a spine running down there. Now, Emily, I've got a question for you. Oh, tables are turned now, Emily. <laughs> Do you know what animals lay eggs, but they're also mammals? So, I can think of a duck-billed platypus and... I know what it is, but a echidna? Yep, they're the two. Fantastic. Good they're the only knowledge. two. Well done, Emily. But there is an interesting story about the duck-billed platypus. Uh, so when it was first brought back from Australia to here, it was in 1799, they sent it to one of the very uh, esteemed zoologists at the time, the people who study animals, and he just had the pelt and the duck bill, and he thought someone was having a laugh with him. Someone was trying to make fun of him, saying, look at this brand new creature. So what he actually did was cut into it because he thought someone had stitched it together. So he's trying to figure it out. But they found out later on that this is actually an animal that's found in Australia. So it's quite funny that even people from so far away had no idea about these animals. So it's still a mammal. Yes. But they do lay eggs. They do. And I guess the mammaly part is that they make milk somehow for their babies. Yep, yep. And they still have fur. They are warm-blooded. Yep. All the other bits and pieces. Now, that's a mammal all the way far away in Australia. But, of course, we're here in south-west London. So, Emily, can you think of any mammals that live here in London? Yeah, I can think of lots, actually. So, wild animals include foxes, mice and rats, squirrels and deer. Then the domestic animals, cats and dogs, guinea pigs, chinchillas, 
rabbits and hamsters. Oh, wow, that's a good list of mammals. I'm trying to think if there's anything we need to add to that list. That's pretty good. Yeah, there's probably a couple. Yeah? Can you think of any? I can't think of any. Can you? Uh, there might be a hedgehog. Oh. And something that might be black and white and striped a little bit. Um, badger. Yeah. Do you know what? I've never seen a badger in my whole life. I, I guess they're usually out a bit further in the countryside. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we we know what kind of animals are living around us here in London now, but I think we want to dive in a little bit deeper, as we always do on the Saturday Splash, and find out a little bit more about them. Because, Dave, am I right in thinking that mammals actually were around at the same time as dinosaurs? Yes, the ancient uh, relatives, definitely. So there were some mammals around then. And it, uh, from what I understand is that they were nocturnal animals then. They had to come out at night so they didn't get gobbled up by the big dinosaurs. So they had to kind of have senses, like good sense of smell and hearing and things like that to help them survive. And you're going to be quizzing us on the different sense of smells. Yeah, I think we might start at one end of the animal and make our way down and uh, go through all the different senses and why they're important and why they have attributed to them turning into what we are now. Okay, fantastic. Emily, you and I team up, okay? We'll, yeah. we'll answer the questions together. We'll see how we get on. And we'll start, <laughs> we like start one end, as you said, Dave, and work all the way down to the other. I think that would be the best way. Okay, fantastic. Right, everyone listening along, of course you can play along as well. Um, and we will be back to get started with that after some Ed Sheeran. Hello again. Welcome back to Riverside Radio. You are listening to Rosie Hit on the Saturday Splash, where this week we've got um, International Cat Day coming up. We've got International Lion Day and International Elephant Day. So we thought we would talk all about mammals this week. And we've got Dave in the studio who's guiding us through the mammal world. Thank you for joining us, Dave. No worries. And Emily and I are going to be trying to answer some of your questions. Um, and we're going to start at the end of a mammal. As in, like, if you imagine your little mouse in front of you, we're going to start one and work our way all the way down to the other. And I think probably the first thing we would we would start with, maybe, is whiskers. So, Emily, is there anything we need to know to begin with? What are whiskers? Well, whiskers are essentially hairs, but they're thicker and more sensitive. So imagine something moving your hair. You'd feel that. So think about walking down the street and it's windy. You can feel the, uh, the wind in your hair. Or even a little bit more creepily, uh, and if you're unfortunate enough to, imagine walking through a spider web. You can oh, yeah. feel it all over your body, and that's your hairs actually sensing that. Not the nicest of feelings. But they're as, as sensitive, sensitive as our fingertips. So airflow or something brushing up against the whiskers sends a vibration along them, allowing them to detect around their environment. Cool. So we see whiskers on all sorts of mammals, don't we? Like uh, dogs. Like I know you've both got dogs at home. They've got whiskers and cats and things like that. So um, have you got a quiz question for us about whiskers then? We'll see, we'll see how good we are on whiskers. Fantastic. Okay, so Emily... And Rosie, okay. which mammal can move its whiskers the fastest of any animal? Or any mammal, sorry. Now I'm going to give you three different choices. So we've got the rat, the panda, or the dog. Okay, and obviously everyone listening along at home, you can work out. So it's rat, panda, or... Dog. Now you've got a dog, haven't you, Emily? Yeah. Does it move its whiskers a lot? Not that I've noticed. Yeah. Do pandas actually have whiskers? That's what I was thinking as well. And I'm thinking of anything I've seen about rats and mice. They always seem to be quite twitchy, yeah, don't they? Yeah, like the little whiskers and the nose. Like. Both Emily and I are doing our best whisker <laughs> impression here in the studio. Should we go for rats? Yeah. Yeah, OK. Can we lock in rat, please, Dave? Ooh. Yes, rats can move <laughs> uh, whiskers fastest of any mammal. Ding, 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 ding. Around 25 <laughs> per second, and they build up kind of like a touch map around them. Wow, they can move their whiskers 25 yep. times per second. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Now, 
one jumping from that, we've got things like seals, and they have one of the most sensitive whiskers. Now these animals will actually extend their whiskers forward, so imagine they're all just facing forward past their nose, and that's to actually track fish that they're actually hunting. So in really murky waters where they can't see very well, they can detect the size of the fish, which way it's swimming, for about 100 metres away, so it's a really long distance. So the seal can actually move its whiskers to face the front, yeah. almost like locking in on something. Oh, that's pretty cool. Like a radar type Yeah, like thing, a yeah. radar, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. So let's think about this. So if you close your eyes, okay. imagine it's pitch black and you're on the district line tube and you're sitting <laughs> at one end and there's someone, say mum is all the way down the other end walking around. You can actually sense her walking around in which direction. That's the same as what the seal does underwater. Wow, that was a really good comparison. I was there on the tube with Mum Emma walking around at the other end of the station. That's pretty sensitive. Yeah, so um, next time you're on the tube, maybe try that if you're going around <laughs> London, if you're fortunate to come into London. Sit down one end of the tube and look how far that is all the way down to the other end. It's a really long way. And that's how far seals can sense just by using their whiskers. Just by their whiskers. That is a wow. great fact. What do you make of that, Emily? That's amazing and an amazing fact. Amazing fact. Okay, well, that's whiskers done. I think next up, should we go to nose? All right, we'll get on to noses after this. this is Hello again. Welcome back to the Saturday Splash here on Riverside Radio, where we are diving in this week to talk all about mammals. Now, we started at one end of the mammal. We've covered whiskers, haven't we, Emily and Dave? We've, all, we've covered whiskers now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wake up, guys, wake up. Right, we've covered whiskers. So if we think about moving along our mammal, the next thing I think we'd find is the lovely little nose. Emily, can you think of any mammals with strange noses? Yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> um, they're quite similar. Tapers and anteaters. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what? I'm going to add one onto there. Aardvarks. Aardvarks. <gasps> <laughs> I was lucky enough to get to visit an aardvark in a zoo once and they said, please squidge its nose. What is a better request? The aardvark really loved people squidging the ends of its nose. Um, it felt a bit like a pig's nose. It was amazing. It was the best day of my life. Um, so we're going to talk about mammals' noses. Is there any other mammal noses that we missed out there, Dave, we should be thinking about? Uh, the starry-nosed mole. The starry-nosed oh, yeah. mole. If, if someone's never heard of them before, what would you describe it as? Oh, it's a, it's a tricky one in terms of, just think of lots of nerve endings and lots of, um, I, I don't even know how best to describe it to be quite honest. How about if you took a mole and you put a starfish on its nose? Yeah, fairly similar. Or a few starfish. A few starfish, yeah. got really weird Really nose. small ones. So, Emily, have we got any questions that we should ask Dave? Yes. So what can you tell us about mammals' noses? Okay, so this is for their sense of smell. So think of dogs meeting each other in the park. Um, so it evolved during the dinosaur times. So this allowed small mammals to sniff out insects and grubs in the dark, which meant they could avoid the dinosaurs during the day and not get eaten. So dogs can identify millions of different scents. And just ask my dog. I can barely get out the front door without her sniffing every square inch because the scents that dogs leave behind are like little emails of information about themselves. Uh, so they're always, every time they stop, they're looking around going, who's been here? What have they been doing? Uh, but bats as well, they can tell their babies apart in the dark, full of thousands of uh, different bats just by their smell. So it's quite incredible. Oh, wow. I wouldn't have thought, like, bats smelling. But, mm. yeah, OK, cool. All right, so we did quite well with our whisker quiz question. Have you got another nose question for us? I certainly do. OK, so for Rosie, Emily and all the listeners, which mammal has a better sense of smell? 
and can smell food up to 20 miles away. So we've got the bloodhound dog, a bear or a tiger. What do you reckon? I think it's bloodhound dogs because, like, in the olden days, they used to use them as, like, police dogs. Yeah, they would sniff out things. Do you know what? I might go for tiger because I know that tigers live in really, really big areas. So I'm thinking what you said, Dave, about the email signatures. Maybe they need to, like, make sure they, because they're solitary, they don't come across any, any other tigers that they might get into a fight with. They are both very good guesses and very close, but it's actually the bear that can smell up to 20 miles away. Oh, there you go. Uh, Specifically a polar bear. Now, if if the Queen had polar bears sitting all the way out at Windsor Castle, they could smell us sitting here in the studio at Battersea. That's how far away 20 miles is. That is a pretty good distance. I'm thinking of a map. You'd have to drive a good long way to get out to Windsor Castle, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Uh, let's hope the Queen doesn't have polar bears over at Windsor <laughs> Castle. Um, OK, that's that's pretty good. So we've. is there anything else that we should know about noses? I don't think that's where we can, yeah? we can go for you. OK, all right. So next along our mammal, we've got the noses. Ears will be up next. So, Emily, can you think of any mammals with strange or weird, wonderful ears? Um, well, I can think of bush babies. Bush um, babies? Bush babies, yes. Do they have big ears? Yes. Oh. They've got, like, little ears. And then they've got the um, elephant, obviously. Okay, that's a good one. The fennec foxes. <gasps> Are they the ones... Yeah, with the big ears. Really pointy. Sandy, yeah. <laughs> and then basset hounds, which with, like, the big, long ears. Do you know what? I know someone who's got a basset hound, and every time they go to drink in the water bowl, the ears just... <laughs> soak up all the water because oh. they're just falling in there. Yeah, I they are some pretty good animal ears. I can't think of any other weird and wonderful animal ears. Can you, Dave? I think rabbit's ears are quite quite incredible. They're pretty good. Yeah. Yes, as well, yeah. Now, is there anything we should ask Dave about mammal ears? So what can you tell us about mammals' ears and hearing? Okay, so there's different ways of measuring sort of best hearing, sort of the distance and the frequency of the sound. Uh, So researchers have shown elephants are able to recognise unique calls from individuals up to one and a half kilometres away, which is around a mile. So they use their huge vocal cords to create sounds outside of the human's ability to hear. And other elephants can pick up these sounds uh, through their ears, but also through their feet, because sounds are essentially a vibration. So what they're doing is feeling those vibrations on the earth coming up through their legs. So, so elephants, they're not just using their ears to hear, they're using their feet to yeah, hear Yeah, multiple well. things, which is really cool. Now, as we get older as humans, we begin to start to lose our hearing. So even right now, Emily, you can hear things that your mother, Rosie, myself, we won't be able to hear. It's a higher frequency. So it starts to diminish as we get older. Oh, dear. I know. It's Aww. a bit sad. Good news for you, though, Emily. Yay! Yay. Uh, but things like whales, because... Uh, uh, We've got sound travelling a lot further in water than it does in, in air. Uh, they can make vo- really loud vocalisations that are heard thousands of miles away. So like on the Great Barrier Reef, for example, where males migra- uh, whales <laughs> migrate between warm tropical waters to give birth, back down to the cold Antarctic waters to feed. Uh, during these migrations, if you're snorkelling or diving along the Great Barrier Reef, you can actually hear them without even seeing a whale in sight. So they're so far away, but their vocalisations are so loud, you can actually still hear them singing. It's absolutely amazing. Um, but they don't have the loudest one. 
as oh sorry the the loudest one is from that group it's actually from the sperm whale and it's been recorded at 230 decibels now that is as loud as a rocket being launched into space so it's very very loud that is incredible i guess they're big animals big big noises um so i'll tell you what dave why don't you give us a question about hearing and then we'll we'll go to the next song and we'll find the answer out afterwards fantastic so which mammals can swivel their ears around to hear, hear noises from different directions is it just one type of uh, animal that can no do this? there's a few different ones that can do this okay so which mammals can swivel their ears around we'll have a think about that and you of course listening along at home and we'll find out after this and welcome back to Riverside Radio. You are listening to the Saturday Splash. Now, just before the break there, Dave, our mammal guide for today, you asked us a question about mammals' ears. Could you remind us what that question was? Yes, so which mammals can swivel their ears around to hear noises from different directions? Emily, my lovely guest, do you have any ideas? So I think it might be a cat because I've got a cat called Mimi and... Um, Say she's on the, she's next to the window and she's sitting facing the window. And we walk up behind her. Her ears will either swivel around or she'll look around. So, I think it might be cats. Yeah, I was thinking cats as well, and not just like cats at home. I think I've seen it on like documentaries of like tigers doing it as well, like swiveling their ears around. So I think we're feeling confident. Yeah. Should we go cats? Yeah, definitely. We've also got wolves and dogs, rabbits and hares. Oh. A lot of different animals can do that. Oh, so there's loads. Yeah. Emily, why do you think that would be useful for an animal to be able to swivel their, their ears? Because if you had a wolf um, in the middle of a field and a little rabbit was in the middle of the field as well, you the, the wolf might want to walk towards the rabbit and but still know there isn't a predator behind it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Be able to uh, have that sense of awareness of going around so they can hear pretty much 360 degrees around their body. Something which we could do. Yeah, that would be handy. <laughs> okay, so we've, we've done well so far. We've started with the whiskers, we've done the nose, we've now done some ears. I think we should move on to fluffy tummies and fluffiness <laughs> of mammals. Because when we think of mammals, we do think of lots of fur. So, Emily, do you have any questions for Dave about fluffiness? Yes. What is the fluffiest mammal? <laughs> so the fluffiest mammal, so native to the Andean mountains of western Chile, is the short-tailed chinchilla. Now, this has the thickest fur of any terrestrial animal, so anything on land, um, on Earth. So to help it survive at high elevations, because it gets quite cold, uh, because the short-tailed chinchilla are hunted and farmed for their lush fur, they're near, nearly extinct in the wild now, which is a very, very sad thing. And they've got super, super fluffy, super soft fur. Yep, completely all over to keep them nice and warm. Is there anything else that we should know about fluffiness and fur? Yeah, so mammals usually have fur to keep them warm. That's probably the main thing that why we do have that. So the average human has around 2,000 hairs per square inch on their body or 100,000 on their head, depending on male or female or what time or uh, what part of life they're at. <laughs> uh, but in the 2010 paper, researchers compared the hair density, so how much hair there was, between a Eurasian otter, so found out Europe, and the sea otter. Now they found that Eurasian otters have about 80,000 per square centimetres. So 80,000 hairs in a centimetre space. Yes, that's right. So while sea otters have about 140,000, so almost double, an absolutely amazing stat. We're well, thinking about the density between those two animals because one's living in the water, so it probably needs to be a little bit more dense. Now, 
We were talking about this off-air, Emily. You went to the Royal uh, to um, Hammersmith Apollo recently, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I think there's a few thousand people that fit in that. So if we think about 40 times the size of that, all of those people fitting onto one tiny little fingernail of ours, that's how many hairs there would be. It's an amazing, amazing number. That is hard to imagine how that many hairs would fit in just, like what you said, like a fingernail worth of space. Yeah, very, very small. Wow. Okay, all right, fluffy tummies, that was a good stop. But we're running out of time, so we're going to have to speed on right until the very end of our mammal, which would be our lovely long tail. Now, Amelie, can you think of any mammals that have lovely tails or strange tails? Yes, I can think of three. Okay. The pangolin, which I adore, has a nice long tail, scaly. And then the squirrels, which yeah. is very bushy, and then pigs, which is curly. Oh, I love that. Now, you said pangolin. I imagine lots of people listening might not have heard of pangolins before. Are you able to describe what they might look like or might be? Yeah. Um, so, if you take an anteater or a taper, they're the same build. Yeah. But they've got a longer tail, they like climbing trees, and they've got lots of big scales yeah that's right like a seashell size um, and they're brownish like beige and very cute that's a really good description dave would you say that's about right definitely i can't add too much more to that wonderful okay so we've got pangolins with weird tails i love that you said pigs i love pigs and they do have lovely little tails and is there anything that we should ask dave about this so yes so what can you tell us about tails? Well, they come in all shapes and sizes, just as you've actually said. Uh, but they're used for things like balance, to be able to manoeuvre themselves. They use it to attract a mate as well, um, and even use it as like an extra arm or leg. Think of uh, things like a spider monkey. It's like a prehensile uh, tail, so what it actually does is grab onto things. So it's got one arm, imagine holding onto a tree on uh, two trees, one with one, uh, one in your left, one in the right, but their tail is actually helping balance and hold on and move themselves around so it's absolutely incredible uh, but if you think of something like maybe a giraffe they have a tail that's about eight foot long oh that's taller than me yeah that's taller than you <laughs> it's taller than everyone yeah <laughs> it's very very long uh, but also think of maybe some animals that are around my neck of the woods uh, like kangaroos like a very very strong tail but it's really good for them to balance on they actually can balance just on the tail and put their two feet right up kind of like they're laying on a couch which is pretty cool nice that sounds like the perfect aussie dream that's Beautiful. Okay, you've got, hopefully, a final question for us about tails. I do. So, which which mammals has a long, stripy tail, it's black and white, and uses it to signal its troop for where it actually is? Okay, so we all need to think of an animal. You said it has long, stripy, black and white tail. Mm -hmm. Okie dokie. Emily, any ideas? That makes me think of a lemur. A lemur. But there are many types of lemurs, but I think it's a lemur. Do you know what it makes me think of? Have you seen the film Madagascar? Yeah. It makes me think of King Julian. Definitely. 100% right. <laughs> all, all A pluses today. So is that that's a lemur? It, it is a lemur, yes. And what type of lemur is that? I think it's a ring-tailed lemur. There we so go. Brilliant. And you said that they use the tail to signal where the troop is, where it's going? or Yeah, it's a, like a directional sort of thing, which is pretty cool. Amazing. Well, we will be back after this. This is Riverside. Welcome back to the Saturday Splash, where we are running out of time this morning. But we've had a fantastic time. Amelie, thank you so much for joining me. 
that's all right. And Dave as well. We've learnt today that seals can use their whiskers to sense... How far away was it, Dave? Around 100 metres. Around 100 metres away, they can sense things moving. And we've heard that if polar bears were out in Windsor Castle, they'd be able to smell us here. And that's no offence to any of us in the room, but that's just how good their sense of smell is. Now, any final questions, Emily, for Dave? Yeah. Um, what are the best places to see mammals in London? Well, I imagine uh, on dusk you've seen foxes running around. Yep, yeah. they're, they're found about pretty much anywhere in London. You can hear them. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly can hear them at different times of the year. Uh, I've actually got a family of foxes that live just outside of my backyard that like to wander in during the day and during the night uh, until my dog spots them and then off they go. <laughs> uh, you can find uh, lots of deer out at Richmond Park. There's actually a resident population that moves around um, the beautiful Richmond Park. Uh, squirrels, have you seen squirrels around anywhere? Yep. Mostly in the parks. Yep, in the parks. Yep, in everyone's backyard as well. You'll see them jumping from one to the other looking for food. If you're really lucky, though, and normally at night you're going to be spotting these things, things like hedgehogs, Um, but normally a little bit further out of London. Uh, Do you know what? There's even a hedgehog map you can find where people have reported where they've seen hedgehogs in London. And there was one, apparently, one day at the end of my road in southwest London, just down in Wandsworth here. So they are around. They're few and far between, but they are around in places. Uh, You can see bats in London. (gasps) Yes. Uh, The... In South Kensington, you can actually see bats. There's some little bat houses where they go in at night. And there are lots in Battersea Park as well, I hear, mm, yeah. Definitely. Uh, depending on the time of year, you'll, you'll see them around. And if you're really careful, and uh, around, usually at night as well, uh, you can spot rats and mice around the tube stations. That's not <laughs> uncommon. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to add one to your list as well. We were talking about it just in the break there. Seals. You can find seals in London. They swim up the River Thames, and apparently the best place to see seals in London is down by the old Millennium Dome or the O2 Arena. You can see loads around Greenwich, and even they get as far up to like Hammersmith as well. So if you do see something bobbing around in the river, we are Riverside Radio after all, it might be a little mammaly seal swimming around in there. Amazing. Okay, well, here's a challenge for everyone listening. Go and see how many mammals you can count around London this weekend. But we are vastly running out of time. Now, I do just want to ask Emily, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any shout-outs that you'd like to give to anyone who might be listening along? Yeah, I'd like to say hi to my brother, Henry. Hi, Henry. (laughs) Hi to my sister, Emmy. Hi, Sister Emmy. And hi to my Barney and Harry, my cousins. Ah, the whole family, the whole gang's listening along. And also, should we give a shout out to your dog? We've been talking about yes, your dog. Yes, Monty. Shout out to Monty. Hi, Monty. I hope you're doing well. Okay, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. You've really taught me a lot about mammals today. My pleasure. It's been an absolute ball this morning. Amazing. Well, would you guys like to come back and join me again? Yes, please. We've been talking a lot about turtles today, so maybe we need to do another turtle episode. We'll see if we can get that planned in. Um, here on Riverside Radio, there's still so much coming up this afternoon. We've got loads of music and loads of sport this afternoon. But wherever you're listening from, have a lovely rest of the day, and we'll see you on the Saturday Splash next week. <laughs>